Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the latest edition of the Red Voices podcast, recorded on a very dreary Monday evening. Dreary, of course, being the last word you'd use to describe the football on show from Pogba and Co. Uh, so thank you for stopping by as a certain Mr. Leonard and myself proceed to get wholly and completely carried away, quietly confident that for the first time in three years, it just might not turn round to bite us in the bottom. It's going to be good crack. Ewan, how are you? Good, good. It, it's a wet and humid evening where i am right now but always a pleasure to be talking to you my friend how's your week been how's your weekend been how could it not have been good it was great actually i I had a really nice time i went up to manchester i didn't have a ticket for the game couldn't get one in the end but uh yeah uh, hung out with a couple of my friends francis and darren and their two little dashens so it was great i had a a dashen puppy on my leg for most of the game which is a which a wonderful experience and i had that before we should have more puppies on the podcast we should i mean uh, let's be honest probably quite a visual uh bit of content unless you can get them to bark on command but i'm I'm always in favor of more puppies so you know absolutely that's great to see them uh there was a really interesting uh mood in the pub as well actually that evening i mean it was it was up in the northern court i think it's one of the few bars i went to that actually shows football and there was a real palpable sense of excitement in the pub which just might sound a bit (laughs) Well, for want of a better word, a bit pompous, but it really was, you know, I mean, everyone was looking forward to the game, everyone was excited to see what was happening, and there was a real air of expectancy, and that's not unlike anything that I think I've felt since Ferguson retired. Yeah, I think it's a pretty universal thing around most of the United support now, isn't it, in in all sort of quarters, whether you're engaging with them, engaging with it on social media, or whether you happen to be in a group of supporters, or even even just talking to your mates or the people that you, you sort of work with. It's uh, remarkable just how quickly United have become a topic of conversation again, as opposed to uh, a bit of a, a butt, butt of, of jokes. jokes. <laughs> yeah, or or even worse, like worthy of sympathy. I don't, I couldn't quite handle that. It's good. It was, and why wouldn't they be excited? Let Let's jump right into it. What a game! It was just such a breath of fresh air, wasn't it? What What were your thoughts? <sighs> Innumerable. Um, really has what turned out to be a relatively routine 2-0 win at Old Trafford against a team that we're expected to beat felt so satisfying, to be honest. I felt like, whilst there were a couple of moments, you know, Shane Long chances, which we'll get onto later, I didn't really ever feel like United were properly in danger. It's much like the Bournemouth game that we spoke about last week. I felt like we were in control, you know, and, and, you know, the sight of watching Zlatan score his goals, Pogba just absolutely light up Old Trafford. Uh, you know, Bay having another great game, just all these really exciting components coming together to produce a really good performance. And then, you know, the, the sight of Martial sprinting down the wing and, you know, so many players enjoying it. Such a great sounding atmosphere from Old Trafford. It was just excellent, really, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. What I loved about it is it feels like for the first time, probably since we had Van Persie and before that probably since we had Ronaldo where we genuinely feel like we have players that are head and shoulders above the other team 
you know, even even in the better days, uh, though they were few and far between, of Van Hal's reign, and even in the couple of good performances we had from David Moyes, it always felt like, okay, so we've played well. It wasn't like, we, I never felt like, right, we've got these incredible players that can turn things around in a moment, even if we're playing badly. Um, so that was that. that's what was standout for me. There was one point in the game where Paul Pogba just absolutely destroyed a player out on the touchline about 10 yards into our own half on the left-hand side. And, yeah, just sort of danced around him and, and put this incredible sort of diagonal ball uh, over the top to Zlatan and and it was just such a beautiful piece of piece of work. Now look at the ball went out of play and Zlatan couldn't reach it, so it wasn't perfect. But man, he just ran the show, didn't he? Let, let's talk about Pogba because where else are we going to start? Um, <laughs> that comical first touch. <laughs> I mean, good yeah. grief! The, the I mean, this isn't tr- me trying to to take him down because he's a wonderful player and he's clearly going to be a great talent for us again. And I'm so so pleased to have him back. But I couldn't help but laugh at that first touch where he gave the ball away. You know, it was clear that despite you know the outward confidence and you know, hint of bravado that he's got about him, I think that essentially he just got a bit ahead of himself, got a little bit overexcited, and just didn't quite think it through. Just fair enough, you know, that he looked utterly swept up by the moment when he was walking out when the teams came out at Old Trafford. And fair play to him, it must have been quite an emotional moment to return, you know. And as I think most of us will agree at this stage, he clearly seems very happy to be back at United. But yeah, of course. There's, there's no way you could look at that touch and think, oh, well, I mean, you know, there we were immediately joking, saying, ah, oh, he's not worth 89 million pounds now. <laughs> yeah, no, it was. It would have been, I'm just glad it didn't lead to anything. That would have been a horrific start to <laughs> oh, his United career. Could you imagine if, if, if uh, they'd gone down the other end and scored on the back of that? But no, I mean, he, he wasn't long about turning it around, was he? No, no, absolutely not. I mean, he just looks like an absolutely top class addition to that midfield. You know, he's got more inventiveness, more variations to his game. You know, he can pick a pass out, he can run with the ball, he can dribble, he can you know, hold the ball off perhaps better than anyone that I've seen at United since Skulls. You know, he's so good at protecting the ball and giving himself a little bit of time and making sure he doesn't give the ball away for the most part. He's just absolutely top class. I mean, this is the great thing about it as well. Even though he was very, very clearly desperate to get a goal on Friday night, I genuinely feel like we're sort of scratching the surface on how good Pogba can be for United based on that performance. Well, yeah, I mean, it's not like he did anything spectacular, right? This is, it just seemed a very, just a very run of the mill. And I mean that as a compliment performance from him. You know, he, he obviously was, was keen to impress. And there was one or two moments that he had on the ball. And you thought, this player is just brilliant. Um, one of them, one of my favourite moments from the whole game, actually, he took the ball uh, just out towards the left in the opposition half and, and, and was just ran past about three or four different players, held, shielded the ball, held one player off and, and just thought, go on, go on. He got right up to the edge of the box and he ended up turning and passing it out to, yeah, it was either Martial or Luke Shaw on the left. But yeah, we've we've got a player that can run past players in midfield now and we probably... Crikey, I'm, I'm gonna yeah, I'm gonna do it. We ha- we probably haven't had a player that's done that since maybe Anderson's first season. Oh, oh good grief! <laughs> what? No, no, oh, it's man. it's not a ve- look. At, I'm gonna put it right out there. It's not a foolproof comparison. 
<laughs> but what I mean is, <laughs> say what you want about the following six years. In Anderson's first year, he was someone who would get on the ball and run with it in midfield. And we genuinely haven't had that for a long, long, long time. Um, now, look, at obviously, Paul Pogba's ability... I'm not even going to finish this sentence. It's, it's ludicrous to suggest that I'm making a, a total comparison there in terms of their ability. But, no, it was just so good to see a player take the ball and run with it. No, I know what you mean. I think the big thing about Pogba's performance in particular was that it's been a while since we've seen a really high-level operator in the centre of our team. You know, you think back to the players that we've had over the last couple of years in particular. Let's just focus on the last three years since Ferguson. So... You know, uh, that was, you know, Skulls is out of the picture. So Carrick's played a very prominent role. And, you know, for his for all his good points, he's not someone who's going to be able to drive the ball forward and potentially carve out a chance for us. You know, that's not really what he does. And then you think of, you know, the likes of Schweinsteiger and Herrera and Fellaini, and they're all very different players. But they, you know, despite their qualities, and in some cases lack thereof, they haven't necessarily been able to help run the show from that sort of area and provide a real spark from that from that role, which is why that performance on Friday was just so good to see because it's just so good to see it's been effective through the middle of the park again. That, that's a very good point you, made, you raised about Michael Carrick. So Michael Carrick went on a journey from being a very good midfielder but nowhere near our best to being our best midfielder. And while some of that was to do with his improvement, mostly that was to do with the options around him getting poorer <laughs> across those sort of, if you look at that period from, well, really since we sold Ronaldo right through until this year, last year, if you're being generous, very generous, um, you know, and, and as, look, at Mourinho said it himself, we've got a lot of passers in midfield and now we've got somebody that can actually take the ball and move forward with it. So yeah, it was great. But yeah, it, it's just genuinely excited. The most excited I've been about seeing a player in a United shirt since Van Persie. Um, just this player that you just know is going to be absolutely quality. And he was. <laughs> Another player that was and seems like he is going to defy all expectations in terms of his age and his this nonsense about needing to be Premier League proven and he's going to struggle in England um, Zlatan Ibrahimovic he scored both goals uh, one from the penalty spot looks like uh, the skipper is going to have to give up responsibilities there and another uh, more impressive goal where he absolutely towered above the whole defence and, and powered a, a, a ball right into the uh, into the far corner past the keeper uh, with a header what did you make of his performance? What what have you made of his impact just since he since he's arrived? It surprised me how well he's adapted to United. To be fair, I mean, I think it was Rich towards in the last season where we were talking about getting Ibrahimovic and saying that you know him and Mkhitaryan were both um, members of uh, high functioning sides in Borussia Dortmund and Paris Saint Germain last season. So it was going to be interesting to see how that was going to work with United when we've been anything but a high-functioning side uh, over the last three years. So I guess one of the great things you can say about Ibrahimovic being so effective is that we're playing a style of football at the minute that is helping to get the best out of him. You know, his build-up play's been good. You know, the approach play's been good too. I, I think he's holding the ball up pretty well. I think he's passing it well, showed good vision. But what he's doing at the moment is putting away chances. All right, the, the, the goal against Bournemouth last weekend was a tremendous shot. But you look at the goal against uh, Leicester and the goal against uh, Southampton on Friday night. Both headers, 
from crosses from the right. He is dealing with these deliveries very well. He's getting good service and it's working out tremendously well for him because he knows how to put chances away. It's no wonder he got 50 goals in Liga Un last season if he's playing in a side that was able to get the ball to him. And that's exactly what we're doing at the moment. Absolutely. And I I thought the comparison or rather the contrast between the two headers was, was absolutely beautiful. If you look at his goal against Leicester, it was all about uh you know the the angle at which he directed it and and the arching of his of his back and the twisting of his neck and and just directing it with real precision into probably the only part of the goal that the goalkeeper wasn't going to reach the way it came into him and then you just look at his goal against Southampton on Friday night and it was just pure power like just boom right into the back of the net and it, it was it was just yeah it was great i mean like when's the last time we were so dominant in the air it's probably I'm probably going to set a new record for mentioning Van Persie on a podcast, but it's, it's probably um, some of the headers that Van Persie scored uh, in his first year at United. But even then, he, he wasn't somebody who you considered to be aerially dominant. And aside from the fact that, you know, Ibrahimovic is, what, six foot five or something like that, you, you can be tall and not be dominant in the air. <laughs> well, tall. I mean, you can probably think of one play he started for us on Friday who was exactly that. <laughs> yeah, but you've got somebody who is tall and strong and... You know, is nobody had more doubts about Ibrahimovic than me uh, when we were talking about signing him. Now it was never a question of his ability. I, I, I do still wonder whether uh, it's. I'm not sure it's going to be realistic for him to score 50 goals for us the same way as he did for Paris Saint Germain. Um, but you know, he actually seems to be having a really profoundly good impact on on some of our younger players, and you can see already that Paul Pogba has warmed to him. I mean that that. That post-match interview, um, it, it actually, uh, I, I warmed to Ibrahimovic quite a lot on the back of that. And you just see some of the, uh, yeah, I guess when he's playing for uh, your club and he's scoring goals. And yeah, you probably see him in a bit of a friendlier light. And all of a sudden, what you from a distance perceived as absolute arrogance, and I'm sure there is an element of that in there, um, is just also confidence and a drive to win. Um, it's going to be interesting to see his journey as the season goes on but I mean he doesn't look like he's going to be 35 next month he's he's just a a miracle of modern conditioning um but yeah to your point about you know these are players that are in high functioning teams but you know maybe those are the players that made those teams high functioning and if we sign enough of them then maybe our team becomes high functioning so yeah um but yeah uh Zlatan Still raises questions for me about Rashford's involvement, but Rashford's young and there's a lot of games to come. Uh, Zlatan's not going to play 50 games, is he? I mean, looking at those two goals, and I'm going to go back to the headers again, You know, there he is dominating Wes Morgan against Leicester, and there he is dominating Jose Fonte uh, on Friday. Two rather large men, rather large, strong. Exactly. Exactly, yeah. It's, uh, it's he, He's got excellent strength in the air, and it's that's an exceptional part of it and you know you brought up Van Persie a couple of times tonight but I think it's quite a it's a valid comparison you know you brought you look at the the impact that Van Persie had on United when he came and suddenly the whole side was transformed and there just seemed to be more threat about United you suddenly realize that if you got the ball to this man in decent areas that good things were going to happen and that is so far what we're seeing you know Ibrahimovic has totally transformed our attack to the point where you you can put Rooney in that side and not have to worry too much about it as long as the deliveries from the flanks and perhaps through the middle state. Well, I mean, the one thing you can say about what Zlatan's done is that 
he is essentially, you know, he, he is now maybe not usurped Rooney, but he's certainly taken on that role up front to the point where he has replaced him in terms of his effectiveness in that role again. And Rooney is essentially playing second fiddle to someone else, not because, you know, he's a terrible player, but because Latin is so clearly better than he is at the moment in that role. I think it's interesting as well because Rooney spent so much of his career playing second fiddle to the likes of, you know, Van Nistelrooy and Saha, Ronaldo and Berbatov and Van Persie again. He's in this role once again. And I think it will be interesting to see how he handles that. But let's, let's not get too bog, dog, bogged down with Rooney chat. I mean, there's an interesting question from uh, our friend Phil at Philmatic. Is Latin at 34 actually at his peak? Taking into account his 50 goals last season, lightning quick start in England. He does seem to be a player that towards, certainly in the latter half of his career, has, has found a new level. It remains to be seen whether he can sustain this for the whole season. And as as much as he has been successful in Europe with PSG to an extent, I still don't think that for what was a four seasons at, at the head of uh, a Paris Saint-Germain team that, that absolutely strolled the league every year is, is the best measure of whether he's at his peak or not. Because before that, you're talking about a player that played for Barcelona, a player that won... Uh, leagues were into Milan, a player that played for Juventus as well, you know. So it's um when when those teams were comp- competitive in Europe. So um it's an interesting question. He, he put put simply, I don't know, but he doesn't seem to have lost anything. Is that fair to say? No, exactly. I think if we get twenty plus goals out of him this season, and it's looking like he's going to certainly nail that if he carries on this sort of form, we'll have done very very well out of it. Other decent performers though, from your question. Um, well, I mean, it's very difficult to look past Fellaini again, you know. Uh, Ander Herrera, despite having a very good game on uh, on the previous Sunday against Bournemouth, was the one dropped, wasn't he? And um, again, you're looking at the resurrection of Marouan Fellaini, and it, it's very, very interesting to see how he's coping uh, in this new Mourinho side. Yeah, Mourinho mentioned himself that it, you know, might have just taken a phone call from him after Mourinho was unveiled as new manager. Sort of say, I'm, I'm assuming something on the lines of, "You're in my plans, don't worry." And he's he's more effective under Mourinho than I think he was over the last three years combined. And we're talking about two games. And obviously, I'm not, you know, trying to take away Fellaini's goals because let's let's not try and take that away from him. He has scored some important goals for United over the last couple of seasons. But already in this role that he's playing, you can see him being more engaged with what's going on around him, making fewer mistakes and being far more effective than he has been for so long. I mean, easily his most effective patch as a United player so far. I would say it's probably the most he's ever looked like he's actually fitted into the team with a purpose that is more than just causing a bit of chaos and hopefully getting a goal. Um, he seems like he fits into the plan of what this team is trying to do. And I think there is, there's probably two main reasons for that. Uh, the first that you've just mentioned already, which is, you know, having confidence instilled in you by a manager and going out on the field knowing that he believes in you. And, and, and let's, let's just assume that, uh, Mourinho is a better motivator than, uh, Van Hal and Moyes. <laughs> but, you know, it, that, that goes a long way. Um, secondly, I think the system we're now playing, the style of football we're now playing, choosing to play, uh, quick in the transitions, more direct, is more suited to a player like Fellaini because, you know, he's he's in many ways he's a simple player in terms of his game. Um, he, look, he he wouldn't have gotten to 
you know, uh, be an established top half Premier League player um, without the ability to play football. So, so I think the last couple of years has probably been unfair in terms of people's perceptions of his ability because he was somebody that was very, very much appreciated when he was at Everton. Um, I think such was his malaise under Moyes and to probably to a lesser extent um, under Van Gaal in terms of his all-round play that maybe we forgot that there's a good football in, footballer in there and he's more than just a battering ram um, or a big mesh of flailing elbows. Um, well, we can only really go what we we were watching most weeks, really, couldn't we? Sure, I but I guess, was... I, guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is the fact that as soon as things become a bit more simplified and he's no longer at being asked to overthink and he's no longer at being given, uh, I guess, being micromanaged on the pitch um, to, to the extent that he was under Van Gaal, um, and he's no longer been asked to keep possession for possession's sake um, means that he he probably is more relaxed in his game now and he's able to do just the simple things right. Well, we'll make it continue. Yeah, but that is an interesting topic because if you look at Antonio Valencia, um, he's another player who seems to have instantaneously raised his game um, under Mourinho. What is it about Mourinho, and why is it that? How is it that he's just all of a sudden just bringing these players to life? Uh, I think it was the MEN who said that the, the the spirits at Carrington seemed to be a lot higher, and that Mourinho's coaching staff had done a good job of you know removing the clouds that were hanging over all these players' heads after Van Hal. So I think that plays a huge part of it. I think if they're enthused to come to work and they're enjoying you know the training and the methods and what Mourinho wants to work towards, which is clearly winning titles, then that's having a huge effect. I think in terms of the likes of Valencia and Fellaini, to be told that they have you know, this this key role on the side must be a bit great for them. And in comparison with, with Valencia, who was very much used very frequently under Van Gaal, I'm not necessarily sure what he's been told differently, but whatever it is, it's working. You know, he's been given far more license to bomb forward and more trust perhaps it's interesting i mean for particularly under van Gaal, the narrative with valencia was why has he stopped taking players on why has he stopped running at players why does he only ever just run run take a touch take a touch cut back inside and pass it um have we just over the last two years done him a massive disservice and assumed it was to do with him losing his head about it all or had he actually just been told he couldn't do it tactically speaking i'm asking you to speculate wildly here oh <laughs> uh, well um... no the reason i the reason i ask is because already he's he's taking on and beating defenders from that right back position and i mean even Mourinho alluded to it he said maybe last year that cross wouldn't have happened maybe last year he wouldn't have been allowed to cross the ball so has that played a role or is it just a case of him getting his confidence back? I think it's a combination of the two, isn't it? I think the lack of micromanagement is certainly helping. I think also the lack of uh, knowing that if you make a mistake, you're not going to have a, a dissection of it and a video you know, with annotations telling you where you went wrong. I think that there's just clearly more trust in these players to play to a system that works for Mourinho, but allows them to express themselves a bit better and to play to their strengths. You know, you look... With Fellaini, I wasn't necessarily sure that you know winning the ball back and passing it on and becoming an effective cog in that midfield was his strength, and he's proved me wrong. With Valencia, 
he's clearly showing no real signs of aging. He's still got strength and he's still got great pace. And Mourinho's clearly honed in on that and said, this is what you do best, do it more. Well, it's it's the one thing that his game has got, isn't it? In terms of, aside from just being a very obedient sort of workhorse um, that follows instructions well, in terms of, you know, not chucking his toys out the pram. Um, the one thing he has always had is his speed. Um, and especially coming from right back, because it's not even that he requires a whole load of skill to get past the defender anymore. He just needs to just needs to go on the overlap, doesn't he? And, and expect to receive the ball and knock it ahead of him and know that he'll get there first in most cases. Um, but yeah, it's certainly interesting to see and, and long may it continue. Interested to hear that we're still in for uh, the likes of Monaco's Fabinho. Um, so I do wonder whether Mourinho genuinely sees Valencia as a long-term option there or whether he's just saying, well, you know, I'm more than confident in you to be the best option I currently have there. Um, but I, I'm really looking forward to seeing how these players sort of do across the season because there were players that many of us, myself included, had entirely written off. And it's good to see them come back to life. So just moving on, um, what is your reading on what's currently happening with Martial? Um, cut a frustrated figure at times. Um, I don't think there's, personally, I'm not sure there's a huge issue there, but it just doesn't seem to be quite clicking for him yet. What has your reading been of, of his performances so far this year and, and what do you attribute that to? I don't think it's too similar to what we spoke about last week, really, mate. I think in particular with Martial, because he had such a long season, you know, because he was away with France. And all right, I didn't play a pivotal role in today, Sean. But I think you look at the fact that he played so much football for United. I don't. He was barely ever injured after we signed him from September. I think maybe he missed one or two games. He was pretty much never present throughout the whole season. Uh, and I think that maybe that's catching up a little bit. I mean, you know, he, he didn't have an incredible amount of time off. And all right, he's young and you can recharge your batteries a lot quicker. But I think that that perhaps is playing a part. You know, he did have a very intense year last year for better and, you know, in some ways for worse too. So that could be that could be a factor in it. I think as well, because less is required to go through him, it means that less focus is on him. And I'm not necessarily sure that helps either. I think you saw when you know things broke down a little bit in the second half and he had those two runs clear on uh, Fraser Forster that he still you know he still got a good eye for goal despite the fact that he didn't score either still you know excellent run he's still got that pace and he's still got that vision and awareness to latch on to those chances um, I think it's just rustiness mate I, I genuinely think that's all it is at this stage I think that you could perhaps take him out in a game in the next couple of weeks and give him a little bit of a rest and allow him to you know just step back a little bit Think about what he's good at and be reminded that he's still a very, very good player because I'm sure that it'll help him going forward to be less relied upon in this new team. I think he kind of benefited last season from being this kind of outsider to the sense that he came into this team that wasn't functioning well and was this shining light. I don't necessarily think there was also a lot of pressure on him to perform that that fantastically every week either. I think he benefited from you know, having to play with quite a lot of freedom. And I think perhaps in this new Mourinho structure, that might change a little bit. You know, his role is slightly different in this side. It is still on the left side of attack, but, you know, there are differences to it. But no, I mean, again, as I said, I'm really not genuinely worried about him at all. I, st- I just think it'll take him a little bit of time to to really get back to grips with himself, if that makes sense. No, it does totally. I think he, he just needs to 
grab a scrappy goal or or do a good run and and, and put a ball in and it turn into an assist and, and and that'll just get his confidence back again it sort of just needs to snap into focus for him doesn't it yeah i mean those two chances were indicative of a player who hasn't played a lot of football so far this season and is just getting back to grips with what he needs to do you know martial of last season probably would have gobbled up both those chances yeah, no, I, I agree totally. I don't think we've got anything to worry about. Uh, he'll be given the chance to play himself back into form because until Lingard comes back from injury, there's nobody else that's going to play out there, really. Because um, as much as he's been a good servant to us, I think I'd be surprised if we saw Ashley Young in the United shirt anytime soon. Um, and who else do you really play out there? Um, maybe, maybe Rashford. But even though it hasn't quite been coming together for him in terms of scoring and assisting... Um, even though we got two of the jammiest assists in the world against uh, against Bournemouth, um, neither of which were intentional and neither of which were based on anything other than him trying to score himself. Um, yeah, it's just a case of he's still involved and he still at times looks like one of our best attacking threats because uh, Pogba, I guess, is the exception now, but he's still probably the only player we have in that attacking line because Pogba's a lot deeper that's going to pick up the ball and run with it for now. Um, well, in terms of comparisons with pace, you've got Rooney and Zlatan <laughs> and uh, Mata and Fellaini. Yeah. So if it's not coming from him, if Pogba's not on the pitch, then it's not coming at all. <laughs> Speaking of which, actually, that's a, a really interesting segue. Um, I, I don't have any insight into this myself. I have I have some opinions, but again, I'm, I'm just speculating. What is your reading of the Henrik Mkhitaryan situation? I'm calling everything a situation. I don't think there is a situation. You are. But... You're just looking for problems. I mean, I know Van Gaal affected us all, Kev, but still. Um... No, why hasn't he played more then? Let's ask, let's ask it simply. Why hasn't he played more? I mean, the foolish optimist in me just says that Juan's just been so much better than him, so it makes complete sense. Uh, now, uh, it could just simply be that he's not quite playing at the level or performing at the level in training that he wants to see or he's not quite following those instructions. And... If we are going to wildly speculate, perhaps the reason that Mata started these last few games is because Mourinho has seen more in training from Mata that suggests that he's a better fit for what he's trying to do at the moment. There was enough from Mkhitaryan in that second and a half substitution to suggest that he can he's definitely going to play enough football. And don't forget, you know, even the fact that he hasn't played yet much and he hasn't started a game of the three official games that we've had so far this season doesn't mean that he's not going to be involved. There's so many games coming out. You know, the Europa League kicks off next month. So again, I, 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 it's one of those things where I know you kind of want me to read more into it. I would love you to read more into it. We're only a half hour into the podcast and we're running out of material. Would you not just? We can talk about the football, Kev. (laughs) No, but just uh, I'm joking, by the way. Um, just to um, to to yeah, to uh, actually, I just want to agree with you on that. I don't think there's too much in it. You know, Mourinho is being absolutely effusive in his praise of McTarian at all times when questioned and recently when not. Um, so I think, yeah, there's always a lot read into these kind of things early on in the season because you get a bottleneck in terms of the amount of players you have uh, because you've got enough players for the games that are to come, but currently those games aren't coming yet. So it's always a bit more difficult in August, uh, but come mid to late September when the rest of the games start up again, um, then we will be fine. There'll be more than enough games. And, and even though, you know, fingers crossed, uh, we won't see a fraction of what we have seen um, in the last couple of years. You still have things like injuries, players needing a rest, rotation, 
you know, he's not. Even though Mourinho is a play, is a manager who who definitely likes to have a settled eleven, uh, such as the number of games we'll have this year, that you know everyone in the squad is going to get enough games. Hmm. Yeah. Speaking of matter as well, just to swiftly move on to one point that I noted from a from the game on Friday, there was one moment in the first half where he gave the ball away and something very quickly broke on us, and Shay Long perhaps should have done better with his one on one with De Gea. There were a couple of moments like that. You know, Shane Long had, by and large, three, two half-decent chances and one pretty damn good chance to score on Friday night. You know, he had that header in the second half and shot from close range after that free kick in the first. And that chance where United's defence weren't necessarily... Well, I guess they weren't terribly slow to respond, but Southampton swept forward quite quickly on that one occasion. I think it just reminded me that the defence is, whilst good, and whilst I don't think anyone had a particularly bad game in our back four, still something of a work in progress. And you're still thinking about when we play better teams that have you know, a forward line that can sweep forward quicker and a bit more effectively and a bit more decisively, how we're going to cope with that situation and whether or not we're going to concede more goals. At the moment, we played teams up to this point that haven't necessarily punished us when we have made the odd mistake. But, you know, uh, the week after the international break is City at Old Trafford. So that is going to be a gigantic test for this back four, whether it's Bailey or Blind or someone else. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I would be surprised if, and look, I don't want us to just dwell on transfers for too long, but I'd be surprised if another centre-back didn't come in. And not least because uh, people will say, well, we've still got numbers, but I, my sort of reading of the situation is we, we must avoid having to play Rojo and Jones at pretty much all costs. Um, so we don't have that many centre-backs if that's our MO um, and Baye's going to be at the African Cup of Nations you assume uh, for a good couple of weeks in January um, and as well as the defence seems to be doing at the moment it isn't going to take much for it to look shaky again in terms of personnel and numbers and you know I think what the Southampton game showed us even though we didn't concede is that whilst by is a very, very strong and exuberant actual defender in terms of he enjoys defending, strong in the tackle, good presence, good reading of the game, um, and good on the ball. He's inexperienced, and he needs a more experienced centre-back next to him. Um, I think he flatters Daly Blind, um, but also, uh, you know, word is Mourinho has been impressed with Daly Blind's ab- ability and work rate, so maybe he's not... And the same for Juan, if we're talking about Duncan Castle's article, which is very interesting. Yeah, I think it's interesting to see that both of those men have won in rounds, so clearly they're doing a very good job away from uh, away from uh, you know, games at the moment and doing a very good job at Carrington, which is great. You know, I mean, those are two people that I'm happy to see will prolong their United careers, having proven something to Yeah, Mourinho. absolutely. Yeah, I mean, everybody loves, uh, I guess, a... Uh, a redemption story, uh, even if they hadn't exactly fallen from grace in our eyes in terms of their character, uh, many of them were written off two weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, I, I think it'd be insane to get to a point where we're willing to sell Daily Blind. I don't rate him as a, as a centre back, um, particularly as we've touched on, as I may have mentioned in the past. Really? Um, no. <laughs> I mean, the thing but, with Blind and Bailey in particular is that I'm happy for those two to be the starting you know, duo for the time being, with Smalling coming back in. And, you know, you didn't want to touch too much on Fonta. Of course, yeah. But the, the difference is, is that that partnership is... You can instantly see that partnership better than any partnership at the minute that involves Rojo or Jones. You know, those are two players that I think need to be gone now because they're, they're, they haven't played a significant part in 
this season so far and perhaps much of the preseason before that you know so i think whilst you know we we've said this before but when it comes to blind he might not be a world class defender but he's fulfilling a role in this united side at the moment that is useful yeah and he's and he's he's doing all right he is um and he, i can't aside from maybe smalling although i think it'd be very interesting to see smalling and, and Baye play together um blind is at the moment, our best option at that left centre-back position because, as we touched upon last week, not only is he calmer and a good reader of the game, he he, he provides a nice sort of counterpoint in approach to by. Um, so just thinking about our defence, um, whilst we don't play the same sort of death by possession to very deep holding midfielders, 4-2-3-1, that Van Hal employed last year, and we do seem to still be playing a four-two-three-one, and we've switched to a zonal, um, uh, a zonal approach when defending, which is, I guess, another conversation. But what is your reading of where Paul Pogba played on Friday night? Because despite him on paper lining up in a, I guess, a, a number six position, a deep midfield position alongside Fellaini. He seemed to have a lot of freedom. Um, so, what what do you put that down to? Do you, do you think do you see him being just the exception to the rule in terms of our tactical structure, or do you, are we just are we misreading what Mourinho is trying to do? Well, if anyone's going to be the exception to the rule, then I think it can be him. You know, it's been said that you don't spend eighty nine million pounds on a player and don't let them do what they want to a certain extent. And you know, you look at the difference between how uh, Pogba was deployed in France. By Deschamps, and you know that very sort of restricted holding role, and they didn't get the best out of him, not by a long shot. And I think Mourinho either was aware of that, but also knows how best to utilise and knowing his talents. And being given something of a free role, which means that he has the license to go forward and do stuff, to run with the ball, to get involved, you know, go up for headers if he fancies it. I think it's fine. I mean, I, I think if he and, you know, when he gets up there, if he and Rooney are sort of switching who plays behind Zlatan, I think that could work out quite well. I think, you know, in terms of uh, power and pace, then unfortunately for these days, Pogba's got a beating of Rooney. So I don't think that's necessarily, necessarily a bad thing for the team whatsoever. Um, but I think if you're going to spend that much amount of money on a player, you do absolutely have to try and let them express themselves in the best way possible. I do think that had... Uh, <laughs> Say this transfer happens a year ago, I don't think Pog will be having half as much fun under Van Hal. <laughs> well, who would? Um, yeah, no, I think it's it's really interesting. I guess the the mistake or the misconception that a lot of us had around uh, the idea of four two three one, um, and you know, I, I don't think it's the perfect formation for us. I think four three three clearly is um, you know our best option for the players we have. I think four two three one can accommodate a lot of our players, um, but. Four three three is probably best suited for almost all of them, and um, but the misconception uh, that a lot of people had, and and I guess it's something that I was guilty of as well, is that Didier Deschamps four two three one is the same as Jose Mourinho's four two three one, which <laughs> we've seen is definitely not the case. Um, so yeah, I mean, just going back to what you asked earlier on, uh, Jim Evans has actually got a, a question about that. Oh, cool. Jim Evans thirty seven. How do you think we will approach the big games in midfield? Pogba in a two seems a risk without a defensive midfielder. Just for a start, I was unable to verify if this guy was actually Van Hal in disguise. So, <laughs> okay, well, you know, we'll. Uh... Sorry, Jim, I'm skeptical. 
But no, I, I get where he's coming from to a certain extent. You know, if Pogba's the one bombing forward, then where does that leave Fellaini? You know, he's he's <laughs> the one. He is many things. What he is not is a wonderful holding defensive midfielder. If other people are going up and attacking, he is not necessarily a wall that is going to be able to stop counter attacks. So I can kind of see that, but. Then again, I'm willing for United to take that risk because I've got more uh, confidence and I'm, I'm a bit more reliant on us actually creating more chances and scoring goals. I think on some occasion you're going to come unstuck and perhaps give a goal away on a counter if you're pressing up too high and you've got too many men forward and you leave Fellaini behind to sort of, you know, <laughs> to try and deal with any fallout from that. But no, I'm, I'm happy for United to take a few more risks this season. I don't think Mourinho is inherently a risky coach either, so I think that whilst he's probably happy for Pogba to, to bomb forward a little bit, I don't think he'll be without a contingency plan if we push too far up the pitch and then lose the ball. No, absolutely. And I mean, um, not every team needs uh, Makalele, you know. Um, even Mourinho's last successful Chelsea team, yes, it did have Matic there, but Matic and, and Fabregas were very much a double pivot that rotated the deeper position and, and they also had an element of freedom. And... I think the fact that we're we switched defending from man marking to zonal, the, the significant difference for me in terms of what we're talking about is the fact that we now play with a deeper defensive line than we played with under Van Hal. Um and as such, we're not as exposed should teams break into our half, if that makes sense. Um so if your defence is deeper then you know, you're not as reliant on the I guess the the destroyer, the the shield in front of the in in front of the back four, because it's there's less space behind them and it's not as catastrophic if the ball goes over the top or if they or if they're played past. Um, if Mourinho will look at his team and fancy them to outplay most teams, so it would be nice to have a manager that very much looks at it as well. We're going to play our game. Um, I know that's not necessarily a common thread across Mourinho's career, but there's no reason why he shouldn't. Um, a good example of, of what we're talking about is when we beat Barcelona in 2007-2008 when Skull scored. Now, we were set up to defend in many ways, but we also asserted ourselves on the game. And we played with quite a deep defensive line in that game. Um, but we didn't have an out-and-out -out defensive midfielder. We had Paul Scholes and Michael Carrick rotating in a double pivot. So I realize that's a lot of tactical jargon. But what I'm trying to say is we don't need a Makalele in every game. Um, and I'm sure Michael Carrick will be more than capable of, uh, of I guess, uh, giving us a more defensive option in the bigger games where necessary. No, I think you're right. I think the differences between uh, Mourinho this season and Van Gaal last season is that we're not going to get stuck in playing one style with the same formation with much of the same personnel. You know, it's just not going to happen. We we've got a squad with more quality and variation with players that are better suited to what Mourinho wants to do now. Which should hopefully pay bigger dividends. I mean, it's looking like it will do. It's looking like it's going to be a very, very exciting season. Let's talk about that second goal, Kev. Okay, bring it on. Um, well, uh, I was uh, quite correctly told off for calling uh, Shaw's uh, tackle, sorry, Selassie's tackle on Shaw in the second half a dive. But, yeah, I mean, how many top red points do we lose to say that I thought Shaw went down a little bit too easy? You still have top red points left. Oh, that's a good point, yeah. Fair play. Um, I don't know, he was clipped, wasn't he? He was clipped for sure, but it just looked like he went down a little bit too easy. I've got to admit, I mean, the contact didn't look sufficient enough to warrant 
you know, going down quite like that, it did look a little bit ungainly. But no, fair enough. I mean, there was definitely contact. It's one of those one of those challenges where if that happened to us and we conceded a penalty like that, I'd probably be annoyed at the defender for going in for it. But at the same time, I would have thought, well, that's probably gone down a little bit too easy anyway. Yeah, it's the culture of the modern game, though, isn't it? If you don't go down when you get touched in the area like that, um, then you, are in some quarters, you're uh, asked... Well, if you had gone down there, you would have gotten a penalty because you were you were you were clipped, you were hit, you were tackled, and I guess it's just one of those things. Um, it's in, endemic of the modern culture of the game, I guess. Um, I don't think it's the biggest problem we got. It wasn't a dive; he did get hit. Um, it's a whole other conversation around: is it okay to go down if you get clipped when you could stay on your feet? I'd like to see a culture where you stay on your feet, but until penalties are given when people are fouled without going down then people are going to go down when they get fouled if that makes sense absolutely but you know fair enough that happened and Zlatan scored and he looked very happy and yeah. all good and that was that was game over really wasn't it yeah it was good it was um, it was just so surreal you know it uh, is surreal just there's, a, there's an absolutely brilliant picture of Pogba and Zlatan running away celebrating together um, when Zlatan scored his second goal and uh, all of a sudden, then they look up and they raise their hands and they cheer. And there's Martial coming in, pumping his fist to celebrate with them as well. And then here comes Mata with a big smile on his face. And you're just like, oh, we got we got a lot of good players now. We used to just have yep. some. <laughs> there's a proper smattering of world-class talent all over the shop at the moment. Yeah. Oh, but actually, let's t- touch on one for a moment. How good is it to see Luke Shaw back playing? Yeah, he's great. I mean, it's... Uh... Seeing Luke Shaw come back has been great for a number of reasons, mostly because that left-back position now seems to be sewn up because I don't see anyone else getting in ahead of him for the majority of our games this season. Um, Unless ever comes back. I mean, I think we'd all be happy with that, let's be honest. Uncle Uncle Pat coming back just for the extreme wonderment of him and Pogba being reunited would be magnificent. Just for his Instagram game, to be honest with you. His Instagram game is phenomenal. Do you follow him on Instagram? I no, I don't just have a look anyway. If I'm feeling a bit sad, right? I sort, I sort of take it, it back it, now. Whatever red, top red points you had left are definitely gone now. That's no, it. it's fine. It's just no. It's mostly because I can't stand to see him not united anymore. I get yeah. sad. I had the most polite argument in the world with the Juventus fan on Twitter, um, to which I demanded that everybody released back to us as if this gentleman here had the keys to the city for that particular <laughs> transfer, um, and he said, Maybe "No, he you did. can't have him. We love him too much." To which I responded, "Well, we loved him first. So it was a, a very, very mature exchange. Uh, but it's true. It is very much true. What have you made of Luke so far this season? Hmm? What have you made of Luke Shaw so far this season? Oh, yeah, Luke Shaw, the actual player that still plays at left-back for us. Um, he just hasn't missed a beat, has he? Um, he? He looked really, really good against Leicester. I mean, superb. Um, strolled out of the defence. And just... He hasn't, um, he hasn't lost any of his pace. Um, but more importantly, he hasn't lost. It doesn't seem like it's affected him mentally, the leg break at all. He's still making the same kind of runs past players into the area, uh, making that really interesting run that not all left backs make, where he's actually running the inside channel past the player at times and 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 really darting diagonally into the into the sort of area and getting to the byline that way. Um, but I'm just really excited because. He's like a new signing, considering we missed him all of last year. Yeah, I mean, well, let's look forward to uh, forward to that uh, that clash of top of the table titans uh, this coming Saturday afternoon. 
Okay. A visit to the uh, to the K- it's the KC Stadium for Hull, isn't it? Yeah. Big Mike Phelan, homecoming story. Hometown boy come good. I mean, Hull City with what, 13, 14 first team squad members at the moment and the smattering of their youth team to have played the same team two games in a row and to have won both against, you know, not two rubbish sides. I mean, Leicester looked like they were they were struggling to readapt to the Premier League a little bit the previous weekend and Swansea, whilst they're not a terrible side, are struggling to sort of reacquaint themselves with the league after their sort of flirt with relegation last year. So stiffer tests await Hull for sure, but to win those two games when everyone expected them to go straight back down given their current plight is incredible. And yeah, it's nice to see Mike feeling having a bit of a laugh. Um, I would lo- I would love for him to be a successful manager. I it would it would just be incredible. And, and I mean that genuinely, not for any sort of jokey purposes, not for any anything to you know, not this banter, no, no nothing to do with that. It's it's just you know, here's a guy who's who's you know done a lot of years at United, played for us, was the assistant manager, was coach for years before he was assistant manager. I would love if he actually was a really good manager as well because it doesn't happen too often. So it'd be really nice to see him in these circumstances to just really uh, take hold of it and make it his own. It'd be great. It'd be nice to see an autobiography that was entitled more than just cones. <laughs> I'm a bit disappointed that he hasn't been rocking out the shorts on the touchline yet. You know, uh, I heard he was managing Hull and I tuned into matches of the day expectantly and he was wearing a suit. It was, uh, it was disappointing. Disgusting. I know. No, I mean, again, you, you would hope that we would have too much for Hull, though. I mean, if we play anywhere to the level in terms of taking chances that we have the last couple of games, you would expect us to win. Yeah, you'd hope so, wouldn't you? I, I do apologise. I realise you're trying to have a serious conversation about a lot of things, and I'm just talking about silly stuff. But yeah... Um... It's fine. <laughs> um, no, no, but it's, it's one of those things with, <clears throat> with you know, like, again, we're going to struggle to try and, you know, uh, disconnect last season and, you know, the years before that with... Uh, Mourinho this season because it's still so fresh and we're still comparing everything and it's difficult to, to just completely let go of what happened but this is a situation where you know last season you could say all right well that you know they've had a half decent start but we've got more quality than now so we should win this game now it feels like we will most certainly do something well in this game and I could be setting myself up for a tremendous fall with that but I'm confident enough to say it last season so many times you just thought, well, we could win. We're probably not going to. Sure. Um, I mean, at this stage of the season, you just want to see points on the board, don't you? You don't really mind too much how they come. Uh, it's not even, the cliche isn't even true where you say the form book goes out the window because there is no form book yet. The season is two games old. So it's usually about October time when it starts to level out a bit and, and teams start performing at the level that they will perform at for the season. So you just hope that, I, I think for the first five or six games of the season, you just don't want to drop any points. Um, and you don't want to... <laughs> well done, Arsenal. <laughs> yeah. Unlucky. Um, oh, gracious. So, yeah, it's it's just... it. I, I, I'd imagine we'll win. I, I can't see how we wouldn't. Um, so I'm going to put myself out there even more than you did. I'm, I'm yeah. fairly sure we'll win. What... Next, next week's pod is going to be very, very interesting if we lose that game. So let's remember this optimism now while we have it. <laughs> Score prediction? Um, where is it? Is that KC, is it? Yep. 3-0. Uh, Two United. 2-1. Uh, I'm going to go a little bit tighter now. That that optimism has been punctured. Okay. <laughs> Fair play. Well, we'll see, won't we? 
Yeah, we will. We, we will very soon in just a matter of days. Anyway, should, we, should I uh, neatly segue onto Twitter questions? Yeah, for no, you, that was seamless. Let's do it. That's all right. BBK asks, how did Pogba and Bailey have the time to make that handshake so crisp in such little time? Well, such little time. I reckon that that's one of those ones where you practice it a couple of times a day, isn't it? They probably do it every time they see each other. Absolutely. I mean, fair play. The, the, Paul's had what? Sorry, Paul, like we're mates. Pogba's had about what a week and a half to to get you know ingratiated with the team and you know meet new people and everything. And sometimes you just meet someone and the connection is there. You know, it's just instant. And yeah, I, I think we all hope to meet people like that in our lives. And I'm I'm pleased that uh, <laughs> Pogba and Bailey have, uh, have 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 got such connection. Are you sure he's not under rebound from Pat Patrice ever though? Are you sure? Well, I mean, I, I, we're still on the rebound from Patrice. <laughs> yeah, Everett, that's so, true. You know, that's true. Like, there's no judgment here. <laughs> no, I mean, look, uh, he he obviously had a couple of days to dedicate entirely to working on that handshake because as Southampton game showed us, he definitely didn't need to worry about preseason or conditioning or ability or rustiness because he just didn't miss a beat. So Nope, 90 minutes yeah. straight yeah, away. Incredible. Preseason pre-schmesian. <laughs> That was wonderful. R0Y Keen asks, will I survive the night if I publicly announce my opinion that Zlatan has actually played poorly so far? Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure you'll survive, absolutely. I mean, I would disagree that he's played poorly. I, I think the difference is with, uh, with Zlatan is that he is, as we've said, he's playing in what appears to be now a well-functioning side and he's taking chances and he's scoring goals. And that doesn't necessarily need to be all things to all men. He doesn't need to be charging around. You know, he's going to be 35 in August, for God's sake. Just let him do his thing. He's very good yeah, at absolutely. it. Absolutely. And look, it's one of those things that's often said about top players who who don't do a huge amount for the whole game and then score the goal uh, that wins it. And and people say, oh, he did nothing apart from score. You're like, he did nothing apart from score the goal that made us win the game. That's what he was there to do. Um, so I heartily disagree. With Mr. R Zero Vikings point, but I defend to the death his right to have it. Absolutely, we appreciate you. R Zero Vikings has also got a second question. Finally, are you as concerned as I am that Rashford wasn't used in what seemed like a perfect situation to break at two nil? Um, I don't know how concerned you are, R Zero Y, but I would say probably not as concerned, partially because. The season has just gotten going. You know, there's so many games to come this year. You know, we've got, God, how many Europa League group games have we got? Eight? Yeah, there's so much football on the way. And this is one of the reasons why having a big squad might be advantageous to Mourinho because he's got the chance to play a completely different starting eleven on Thursday nights than he does on Sunday afternoon or Monday evening. There's there's so many options open to him. And I'm just not concerned at all about Rashford not playing as much so far this season. Absolutely not. I mean, Rashford's involvement and his exposure to the first team came at such an accelerated pace and such a heightened level than it was ever planned to last year because of injuries. And uh, then just for momentum's sake and the fact that he was genuinely one of our best options there. He's still, what is he, 18? Has he turned 19 yet? I'm not sure. But in a 60-game in a season, if he can get 15 to 18 starts and another 10 or 12 substitute appearances, at the age that he's at, he'll, he'll be okay. It's good to for him to serve uh, an apprenticeship under the likes of of Ibrahimovic and players like that that are now in there because um, there was a lot of pressure on him last year and he and he was exposed early. We don't we don't want to burn him out either. So no, I think you know it. It's one of those things that we're probably going to have to accept that it might be a while before we see him this year. 
but it it's only a matter of time until we do. Yeah, I mean, look, no one can be blind to his quality. I'm sure Mourinho isn't, but I think at the moment, because the team is quite playing so effectively, it's difficult to crowbar him in there for the sake of it. I mean, maybe you could have taken Martial off and placed uh, Rashford on the on the left like he did against Leicester in the Community Shield game, but no. But he's, st- he's still trying he's... to get his own team to click properly. Sure. So he's not he's not going to rotate for the sake of it just to give people minutes. No, exactly. Uh, Charlie at Charlinado asks, can you just take a moment to appreciate Marron Fellaini's recent form under Jose? Magnificent. We've taken several, Charlie, but we'll take an extra quiet moment of reflection for you. There it is. He also asks, why did Jose take so long to bring on Mkhitaryan last night? Well, that'd be Monday. We're recording a couple of days later now. Uh, he had him warming up for 20 minutes. Yeah, I mean, again, I, I think we are very, very quick to read into a lot of things, and especially with someone like Mkhitaryan who comes with such an you know, inflated uh, reputation, having done so well in the Bundesliga last year. You kind of, you know, maybe we worry about him a little bit too much because he's not played so much so far. But again, huge season, many games. I feel like I said that a lot tonight, but it's true. <laughs> but it's also a case of we only, we, we make, we try to make observations with very little insight. And we don't know what is happening on the training pitch. Maybe he's come back not in great shape. Maybe he's struggling to adjust to the move. Maybe there's some personal things going on. Maybe he's carrying a knock. We don't know. <laughs> it could be anything. Um, but it's too early to worry. Exactly. Uh, Mark Ferguson asks, who do you think has improved the most under Mourinho? I mean, my mood, to be fair. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just everything. Yeah. Mm. Nemesis at United Boy 1966 asks, can we ever truly and completely love someone, Jose, who shuns our affections? Does he shun our affections? I don't think he's been shunning our affections since he showed up, has he? Oh, I don't know. I, th- I think he's been relatively charming. I think he's still got this incredible knack he has for when he's doing post-match interviews, he refuses to look at the camera. He always wants to look at the floor. I don't know. He, he, he's, he's better than the last guy. Amen. That's a wonderful point to leave it at, Kev. <laughs> so there we are, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for sticking with us as long as we have. We carried on a little bit longer than we planned to tonight. Uh, but it looks like we are set for a very entertaining and eventful season. Uh, whether that ultimately brings success or not is anyone's guess. Uh, but for the first time in a good while uh, things are starting to appear a little bit brighter and a little bit rosier for a number of reasons uh, we've got some quality players we've got a quality manager and we've had a quality start to the season so long may it continue um guys we started a new blog this season uh which features regular content from the four of us um updated a couple of times a week um so if you want to check that out it's over at redvoicesmufc.wordpress.com uh, we'd appreciate any support you could give it and uh feel free to check it out when you get a moment um, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, if you're not following the any of us or the Red Voices account, I'm not quite sure how you've managed to find the podcast, but uh, well done. Guys, thank you for sticking with us. Hope you have an excellent week, and uh, come on, you Reds. Yeah.